Howdy folks, today we're talking content creation and catching up with a well-known face on this podcast right after this. Welcome to Camera Shake, where we bring you the insider scoop on all things photography and videography, giving you a unique opportunity to stay ahead of the curve. We've spent literally hundreds of hours interviewing some of the most renowned photographers of our time, giving you access to knowledge and expertise that's not available anywhere else. As always, I'm your host, Kirsten Nuts, and if you enjoy this content, consider lending your support on buymeacoffee.com forward slash camera shake to help us create more exciting episodes for you. Your support really does make a difference. But without further ado, let's give it up for today's special guest, a familiar face cool. on the show, the travel, wildlife, and Northern Lights expert and photo guide, Dave Williams. Dave, man, how's it going? Good. How are you? I am. I'm good. I'm, but well, I'm warm. Let's put it this way. I was, I'm <laughs> warm. I, I saw it's like <laughs> snowing massively where you are. Well, uh, it's the sky is kind of pink and orange right now. Um, we've got at the time of recording five more sunrises, and then we've got a month without the sun. Polar night will arrive. So oh, yeah, wow. I'm here at 68 degrees north, up in the Arctic Circle in Lofoden. And it's nice having, you know, funny things like this because the other opposite end of the year, you get um, polar day. So uh, the midnight sun comes out. And obviously, the more darkness we get now, the more opportunities we get for northern lights. So even though it's occasionally a bit cold, occasionally a bit blizzardy, uh, I'll take it. It's fine. I remember, um, you know, obviously, when when we were running the workshop uh, at the back end of September, you know, yeah. I noticed that, of course, the days were shorter than they were over here in the UK already. You know, that was yeah. noticeable. And it was noticeably colder. But, you know, we hadn't yeah. reached a point yet where it was snowing. You know, it was, I think it was like five, six degrees or something like that. And at night it would hit freezing once in a while. But it mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily, you know, it, I mean, for September, it was cold, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Arctic, Arctic. But yeah. So you're saying you've got like you have five days left of of sunrises. How short or how long are the days right now? Uh, two hours. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> so uh, you get um, two hours of sunlight, but the sun is extremely low, uh, and it's in the south. And so if you have any clouds, which they quite often are in the south, you won't get the sun. You'll just get the light, and there's like a really long twilight blue hour just goes on for a long time so from about 9 a.m until about 3 p.m is blue hour with the golden hour in the middle with the sun um what happens when the sun doesn't arrive at all is you just skip that golden hour period and you get blue hour the whole day and when the sun is you know, civil twilight uh, between zero six degrees below the horizon, you get like candy floss skies, cotton candy skies where it's all pink and blue. It's um, it's really nice. It makes for some really good photos, but you just have to forget about the idea of light actually hitting anything. It's not going to. Right. And then how long? How long does that last? Like when is the sun uh, coming back? Uh, sixth of January. No, eighth of January. Early January, it will come back. I think it's the sixth. Okay, cool. Because yeah. we've got another workshop planned at the end of January, of course, and you know, hopefully we've got at least a few sunlight hours uh, when it comes yeah. to that. That'd be good. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we're going to make the most of the sunlight hours and the blue hours. So in contrast to the last workshop, which was almost like an autumn or a fall kind of situation, this one's going to be a proper midwinter one. There's going to be snow on the ground. It's going to be cold, but it's going to be fun. Um, the colors are incredible, and the contrast against the snow and against the sea is is, is stunning. So I'm really looking forward to this next one. Yeah, it's going to be truly Arctic, basically. Mm, 100%. It's, it's going to be hilarious fun. So it runs from um, the 25th of January to the 1st of February. Um, yeah. There are still spaces available. And of course, if people are interested, um, they can uh, either hop over to your website, which is idavewilliams.com forward slash training. And of course, I will put the uh, the link on the screen right here if you're watching on YouTube. But if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, you'll find all the links in the description, of course. So either hop over to Dave's website, idavewilliams.com forward slash um, training, or you can now also find the same thing pretty much on my website, which is kirstennuts.com forward slash workshops. So I call the page workshops rather than training. See what I did there? <laughs> Never. <laughs> okay. And uh, and again, oh, you know, all the links also, in the description. I want to also point out the extremely generous offer we had from Adobe. Yes. So here's the thing, um, and this is actually something I was going to mention next. Um, oh. Any participants for for this workshop on the 25th of January, and um, there's still a few places left. So you know, make sure you get in there whilst there's still availability. But there's an amazing, amazing offer um, that we have from Adobe which basically means that anybody signing up to this workshop will get a full year of free Adobe um, Cloud subscription, so Creative Cloud uh, subscription, so or Creative Suite, whatever you call it. What do you call it these days? Creative Cloud. Yeah, Creative Cloud, so, that's it. I'll, I'll, hang on, I'll do this bit. <laughs> so anyone that signs up, thanks to the generosity of Russell Brown, who is the Creative Principal Director of Adobe, he's recognized this workshop um, as being unique and extremely creative because of the fact that we've got Northern Lights and Vikings instead of just instead of just mountains, we've got some character coming as well. He's given uh, everyone who signs up a full one year creative cloud plan. And it doesn't matter if you already have the all apps or if you already have the photography plan doesn't matter which one, you will get an extension of a year. And if you don't have one, you'll get the membership for a year. And you get it also mentioned that that's worth, worth a lot of money. It's worth nearly $700. Uh, dollars, 700 US yeah. dollars is what the subscription would cost you. Yeah. So, you know, if you're effectively, if you were to sign up for this workshop and you're already, you know, paying for an Adobe subscription, you're effectively saving, saving yourself $700 a year. That's yeah. basically what's happening. So that's amazing. That's incredible. You know, yeah. um, plus there, there's some other discount codes. There's a um, day five discount code yeah. uh, where you can save another five percent. Which in Muddle had I can't really, I can't really calculate how much that actually amounts to. But never, nevertheless, everything, you, every little helps. Dollars. Yeah. But so, I want to just point out the reason we've done that. So it turns out that if you already have a workshop business then you get a lot of repeat business, a lot of repeat customers through your word of mouth and referrals and things like that. But starting from scratch is difficult. And that's why we've added that extra 5% discount code just to entice people in because 
we've got, as I said, we've got, or as you said, we've got a few spots still available and we want to fill that up. We want to give a lot of people a great time here in Lofoten so that we can continue to do so with more workshops in the future. So 5% off with day five at checkout. Absolutely. So again, all the links are in the description um, of both the audio version of this podcast and of course the YouTube version. So make sure you check that out. Um, it's an incredible once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, there's also this this a message of one of our past attendees, uh, David Berkman, um, that will that I will put live in the next day or two. Um, and I just say this, by the way, if you are today is Friday, the first of December, and if you are listening to this today, then I apologize already that we're a day late. But there's a really good reason for that. Well, probably a technical reason, but also probably because I really want uh, Dave to come oh. on the show for this week. So um, and also. Uh, mainly because in my personal life, yesterday was a huge day um, that, for my wife anyway, it was a huge day. And so I had to free that day up. And sometimes these things happen. You know, sometimes these things happen and you can't really do anything about that. And so uh, so we're well, a day it's late. Not, it, it's, it's, just be completely transparent here. It's not your fault or your wife's fault that you're late. It's because I couldn't do the earlier day <laughs> so it's no, that's fault. true. That's that's true. But I would have, you know, ordinarily, that's fine. You know, ordinarily, I would have just recorded something else. I'm but so um, that was just not possible yesterday, just mainly because, yeah. you know, um, because my wife has some health issues and they just had to be taken care of. Yes, there's a huge day when it comes to that. And, uh, you know, and, and sometimes you just have to put family first. And that's just how it is. But anyway, um, so today's Friday. Um, I will endeavor to uh, to get this edited and out at some point uh, later on today, um, but if it is Saturday morning, <laughs> you know, I, again I apologize. It's just it's just what it is. Anyway, but you know we're back on track from next week. Um, so you, as always, as per usual, you can expect Camera Shake podcast episodes to go live on the Thursday. Um, that will be you know, we're back on track from next week. Never, to nevertheless, honest, to be honest, Kate, you've done really like podcasts flop and fail all the time and considering all the hurdles you've had with camera shake i can't remember any other episodes being late you've hit every other one as far as i know so yeah I mean, really this well. is, yeah this is this is episode 181 um mm-hmm. and uh, out of that there's probably been a handful of episodes that were either a day late maybe um uh, there was one that we skipped when we were in the photon last time um yeah. because because um, we we thought it'd be actually really cool to have everyone on the show, um, all the participants, and we had a you know an episode where we all talked about our experiences there. Um, yeah. That's uh, I believe it's episode one hundred and seventy, if I'm not mistaken. It's either one seventy or one seventy one from the top of my head. Um, if you yeah. want to go and check that, that's super interesting. Um, that was really amazing. We had you know David Berkman on the show. We had all the other participants of that workshop on the show. Our models. Uh, won the show, and we were actually in Lofoten at the time. Um, and if you look very closely, then you can see a little bit of the sort of type of accommodation that we were in. So, you know, that's uh, if you're interested, that's a that's a really good episode um, to go and check out if you want to get some background information about what's happening um, on that workshop. Um, cool. So. Now I'm sure we're going to talk uh, Northern Lights uh, again at some at some point in this in this episode because that sort of okay. it kind of comes into what we're actually going to talk about, which is content creation. Now, no. if you've been living under a rock, uh, then that's probably the only 
way that you would have missed the fact that both Dave and I have been creating video content for Platypod on the Platypod YouTube channel over the last, how much, four months? Is it, is it, has uh, it been that long? Yes, it's been since I got here. July, yeah, so August, have... September, uh, five months. Yeah, five months. Um, and of course, <clears throat> we've been, so we've been creating um, educational photography video content um, for the yeah. channel. Um, educational, and... inspirational, I don't know, we'll call it what you like, it's amazing. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> educational, yeah, that's for sure. So every month we pick, um, both Dave and I will, you know, create a video um, and we pick a topic and we create a video around that. Um, and so today we're going to talk a little bit about what that process looks like, um, you know, what the, the trials and tribulations of making that sort of content and, 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 and actually why we're making it. So let's just start with that. Why in the first place are yeah. we creating that video content? Well, uh, Larry... Uh, Dr. Tiefenbrunn, the founder, CEO, inventor of Platypod, is extremely innovative. And he's, in terms of marketing and promotion and stuff like that, he's extremely savvy. And he saw this opportunity with um, video content. Obviously, we all know that video is king. Um, and all the main social media platforms are demonstrating that it's all about video. And so he he realized that we need to, or Platypod needs to stay with, you know, that trend and create a lot of content. But what, what should you do? If you're a, um, if you're a, a tripod company, essentially, a, a, a camera gear company, should you be making marketing videos or should you be showing people educational stuff that, and inspirational stuff that shows the best way that you can use your platypod so as, as well as us it's inspiration from other photographers being interviewed for platypod perspectives by larry becker um and you know when when the opportunity comes up to show some platypod gear and how it's used and why it's so good then yeah we'll go for it but that's not the purpose the purpose is to inspire people to get out there and shoot you know try some personal projects pick up the camera and look at it in a different way, find a new subject, all this stuff to inspire people to try new things to enhance and level up their photography game. And so from that perspective, it's very smart. Um, and it's fun for us as well, because we, we're kind of all-rounders, both of us. You're, obviously, my specialist sort of thing is landscapes and astro. Yours is... Um, portraits headshots people but we still both have knowledge and experience of other genres of photography so it means that we get to share our skills but also to take on the personal projects ourselves and share our experiences so i'm loving it it's really cool it's great fun it's super fun and actually before i respond to that it's just come to me the episode i was referring to earlier we were all talking about um the the default workshop that was episode 172 not 170 or 71 as i as i mentioned earlier so 172 check that out i put a link up there um go and check that out it's super awesome uh, super cool. interesting but okay talking videos um you know the thing so for me when uh, so what you know when i can't remember whether larry asked me or whether you asked me to create um you know to come in and create videos um Fair. for me it was a it was an absolute no-brainer because, you know, as you know, I love a personal project because mm -hmm. 
the thing for me immediately was like, okay, you know, this is an opportunity for me to come up with topics to create yeah. a video about that. I mean, either I know a lot about, or maybe I don't know a lot about, then it requires me to do the research and to dive into that. And what happens in the process is I learn about that particular subject myself, and then I can communicate yeah. that to the audience. And so that's really the, you know, the enticing thing for me is the fact that actually it gives me an opportunity to better my skill sets. And, you know, as you mentioned before, the fact that we're using Platypore gear to do that is in a sense, it's neither here nor there because, you know, uh, the reason I love platform gear is because I actually use it all the time. I use it all the time, um, you know, to grip things, to hold things, to, you know, whatever, to, to put my camera on, to hold up lights, to uh, whatever. I mean, it's, you know, I just use it for so many different things. At the moment, um, I built a little contraption for my wife so that she can have a stable platform for her phone whilst she's recovering. So, yeah. um, because she loves, she loves to watch the snooker. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's up with that, but, uh, but yeah, so she's basically, she's recovering at the moment and she's, uh, you know, she's watching the snooker in bed. She's got her phone and uh, balancing the phone on the bed is not easy. And so yeah. I, you know, immediately thought about, well, you know, I've got all the tools. Let's just build something that works perfectly for that. And it works, you know, so great. Um, but that's the thing, you know, it's, these tools are really innovative and they, you know, they work so well that I actually end up using them all the time. So when I create a video um, on any given month, then clearly I'll point out how I got to put this shot, this particular shot together, and there'll inevitably there will inevitably be some form of platypod toolage involved in that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but the the amazing thing, like you were saying, is that the their products are so versatile. So. Larry specifically designs in extra things. And you think, oh, maybe, why do I need four, you know, quarter 20 threads? What am I going to do with that? But people find ways to attach all kinds of things, like you were saying. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're incredibly versatile. They don't just do the thing they're designed to do. They do a little bit more. And with the combinations of the goosenecks and the um, the new grip, the phone grip, that's cool, but even that's got threads in it and cold shoe adapter, Arcus with everything, it's perfect. Um, <clears throat> everything works together. And so, like, look at um, Don Komarechka and his macro photography rig that he built. It's, it's all platypod stuff and it holds his camera, his lights, his, um, he's using cards, he's using all sorts of stuff. And it's all platypod. It's incredible. So yeah, it's, it's incredibly versatile gear. And lots of people look at the platypod, don't quite understand what it is. And so it's it's important to sort of break that barrier down and show this is how versatile it is. Um, yeah. My my primary argument is always going to be the tripod police. Whenever you go to a museum or a gallery or a church or any kind of a I don't know public building or anything like that, there's always a no tripods rule. And the second you get the tripod out and that leg touches the floor, some security guard's going to appear out of nowhere. And the tripod police are there. Put the tripod away. You can't use a tripod. And it's these kind of places that are too dark where you do need a tripod or, you know, you need to do a slightly longer exposure. 
that don't allow the tripods, but you get a platypod out and you set it on the ground or on a chair or on a, on a ledge or whatever to take your photo. So you get that extra light, that slightly longer exposure to get the perfect photo, but perhaps using a higher aperture indoors or something. And they, they look at it and something in their brain, these tripod police officers, something in their brain doesn't engage because they look at it. It's not a tripod. Hmm. Okay. And then they move on with their life. <laughs> yeah. Like you never get challenged when you're using a platypod instead of a tripod in these places where tripods aren't allowed. That's yeah. always be my primary argument for why you need a platypod. <clears throat> well, see, I, I love to be challenged on things. Like I remember having a conversation with somebody and uh, we were talking about the, the panel pros, you know, the little um, LED panels. And the link. The, yeah, sorry. The, yeah, the Luke yeah. panel pros, and yes. um, and I remember somebody saying like, "Oh well, but yeah, but you can't you can't shoot portraits with that, you know, and that's never going to work." I headshots, well, and I thought, challenge accepted. Or can I? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, and the thing is, immediately the advantage becomes really clear because once you've worked out that that act, that's it's completely it's absolutely possible, and actually you can yeah. get some really high quality, high level results with that. The yeah. advantage immediately turns into wait now i can turn my, i can i can put my whole studio in my backpack that's how versatile that becomes all of a yep. sudden and then yep. of course for me as those of our listeners or viewers who've who've seen some of those videos will know by now you know i love to travel on a vespa so if i can fit my whole studio in my backpack you know i can sling that on my back jump on the scooter and off i go brilliant you know the that's... amount of money i i i save <laughs> in parking charges in London, <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. So that's the that's the other thing for me. You know, it's it's the it's the challenge of like figuring out, you know, how you can do things that, whereas usually people might have a preconceived idea of what's possible and what's not possible. You know, how can you yeah, break yeah. those those barriers and actually create stuff that yeah. will sort of blow your mind or, or something that you just hadn't thought of before, and then immediately these tools become useful. Yeah. To you as a photographer, that's the thing. Hey, let me just jump in real quick to tell you about the amazing sponsor of this episode, Platypod. Platypod offers innovative camera support systems designed to unleash your creativity. With their stable, versatile, and portable solutions, you can capture stunning shots like never before. And I'm not just saying that. As the host of the Camera Shake podcast, I can personally vouch for Platypod's incredible products. They've become an integral part of the show. In fact, I'm surrounded by various platypod products holding up lights, cameras, microphones, and so on. It's really helped to transform the way I make the show and the way I shoot at home, in the studio, and on location. But don't just take my word for it. Explore Platypod's website at www.platypod.com to discover their range of products, including the Platypod Extreme, Platypod Tripod Heads, and the brand new handle, of course. Make sure to follow Platypod on Instagram and Facebook at Platypod Tripods for exclusive updates, tips, and giveaways. By choosing Platypod, you're not only investing in your photography, but you're also supporting the Camera Shake Photography Podcast. Thanks again to Platypod, our amazing sponsor. Platypod, where innovation never sleeps. It's all about sharing and learning and developing as well. Like, I'm, I, you know me, I, I don't have secrets in photography there are there are some photographers out there who are like have secrets and they're not willing to share their methods their techniques whatever but i'm 
I'll tell if you ask me a question, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell you the answer, and I don't care if it's like I don't feel like you're going to steal my shot, steal my idea, anything like that. I want everyone to learn. Um, I'm all about collaboration rather than competition, and so when I get an idea or when I see an idea of of a way that somebody is using Platypod. I feel it's important to show it to, you know, to, to come up with new ideas and come up with new methods, techniques, and, um, things that are going to inspire people. Maybe they're going to, if I share something, maybe someone's going to copy it, or maybe they're going to take it as the foundation to something else. I don't know, but I think it's really important that we work together. It's a small community of photographers. And as you know, any creative in any, any area of the creative field, whether it's artists or you know, songwriters or whatever, we should be collaborating rather than competing with each other. We should be sharing experiences and sharing techniques because it's hard enough um, trying to set up a business and and run a business in the creative field with everyone, especially with everyone wanting to pay with exposure. I won't tag you on Instagram, you know, if you do this for free, all that stuff. Yeah. It's hard enough with that, that we shouldn't then be making it more difficult for each other. Like, I always I always use the example of wedding photographers to show that we're not competing. Like, let's say, Kay, that I'm a wedding photographer and you're a wedding photographer. And I know a, I've got a secret way to use a strobe and I'm keeping it a secret from you because I don't want you to steal it and you're my competition. Actually, you're not my competition. Because we're both going to be at you know different price points, have different styles, different abilities, different geographical markets. There's so many things that are that show that we're not in direct competition, rather than the fact that we are. That we should be sharing. If I know a secret way to use a strobe, I should tell you, because it, you're, you might use it um, exactly the way I show you, or you might adapt it to your own style. But in in both cases, we both grow as photographers. And so, yeah, with Platypod, it's important that we share skills and techniques, that we show people how to use the gear. Even if, like, even if we do an episode where we use one piece of Platypod gear one time, and the rest of it's all about a whole load of other stuff, we're inspiring photographers, and I love yeah. that. I, and that's the thing. I think you know, very often it's you know, of course, we use those tools because you know, because we can. It's that's one yeah. part, but. The I think the yeah. gist of those of a lot of those videos is from an educational point. It's, it's not necessarily that you necessarily absolutely need to own this equipment. It's not about that. It's about how you light something or how you know how you do a particular thing. Um, yeah, you know, well, ultimately, so it's not a sales pitch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's you know, it's it's obviously. I mean, it's you know, those videos are on the Platypod YouTube channel, so clearly they're going to be using Platypod gear. You know, and why wouldn't they? But actually. You know the the educational part of that is like okay, how do you light headshots? You know how do you how do you photograph the northern lights? Like how do you yeah. you did an episode about wildlife? Yeah, Good. exactly. So you know, so so there are there are like lots of lots of different elements in there that are that are very valuable. Um, and you know, if you already own another type of LED panel that allows you to do a similar thing, well, use that. You know, why wouldn't you? Hundred percent, but you know, well, the, I mean, the tripod thing. There's, there's two things actually. You know, the tripod thing is um, sometimes new tools come along that just 
um, make your life a lot easier. And basically, although you could use tripods or whatever, right, it would also mean that you have to carry more gear with you. It's heavier. You know, they, they have a much larger footprint. Um, they get in the way. You know, it's impractical, blah, blah. So if you can come up with a stable platform, like a Platypod Extreme, for example, that you could just slip in the front pocket of your backpack, you know, or, or hook it onto your backpack, whatever, and it weighs almost next to nothing. And it basically doesn't get into anybody's way. And it, it just makes your life easier and more comfortable. Then that's great. That's totally worth it, right? Um, if you insist on carrying a massive tripod around with you anyhow then also fine you know whatever but basically that tool has a very particular purpose and that's essentially just to make your life easier and to allow yeah. you to do things um more efficiently or more quickly and and on top of that to give you new opportunities to maybe get your camera into places and spaces that you wouldn't have been able to right. to do previously so it will just increase your creative potential you know for that um so that's the thing. The only thing about wedding uh, photography, actually, you know, my argument with that is is essentially, you know, um, as photographers generally, you know, we're, we're already competing with with a whole lot of different things, like you know, cell phones being one, yeah. uh, AI being the other. You know, it's not like it was in the eighties where if you wanted to have a decent photograph, well, you had to have somebody with with a camera who knew what they were doing. It's it's not quite like that anymore. You know, nowadays you could argue, well. You know, why would somebody spend thousands of dollars or pounds to hire a wedding photographer for their wedding when, like, everybody's got a, you know, an iPhone and actually yeah. they can create really decent pictures as well. So that's not, you know, mm -hmm. so you can, you know, as a professional, you're going to have to, um, you, you're going to have to put yourself above that to some point. You know, you're going to have to create something that is not that easily achievable with just an iPhone. And that, I'm not saying you can't shoot a wedding with an iPhone because I'm convinced that you can. In fact, I remember talking to Jerry Gionis um, on the show, you know, a few months ago and he, you know, he once shot a wedding on a Polaroid. So clearly that's possible, you know, I'm not saying yeah. it isn't. But, um, you know, but if, you know, if there's anything that can sort of put you above, uh, you know, cut above the rest as a, as a professional, then that yeah. is the reason why somebody would potentially hire a wedding photographer you know and if we all gave up on that then there wouldn't be a wedding photography industry anymore so yeah. you know it's it, it just makes sense to elevate everyone together and for us all to elevate together so that we can all you know rise above um and it's above the, the, so the, that's, tools you know, that's the, thing. And the techniques that help you do that yes yeah, the tools the techniques and the knowledge you know that's that's always the thing yeah. um and that's why you know knowledge sharing is so important and, um, you know, for, for what we're doing with, with Platypod, for example, the thing that really interests me actually is, is exactly that. It's that conveyance of knowledge, you know, where we're teaching people how to do a particular thing. Um, yeah. And actually doing it in a way that makes it achievable, you know, where you think like, well, you know, because you, know you know what it's like. People often put obstacles or hurdles in, into their own way where they kind of go, well, I would love to be able to do this, but I can't because I don't have this or that or the other thing. Yeah. You know, and then you go, well, actually, you don't need this or that or the other thing. Here's yeah. a way that you can do that and you can achieve really, really good results. Yeah. If you just did it like that. I mean, and that's the knowledge. I mean, yeah. Part. We want to share those those methods. We want to show people that these things are achievable. You don't need the best of everything. You just need to know what you're doing with what you've got. And it, it's quite often the, like, 
spending loads and loads of money on a new lens is great. It's going to help you. That let's not let's not try and hide that fact. But it's it's also the smaller things, the more affordable things that make the smaller differences. Sorry, like, like the small effects that make the big differences. Um, so yeah, having like the 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 platypod tripod police stuff is one thing, but then like real estate photography. The last video I did, real estate photography, you can get some incredible angles. Yeah, by sticking a platypod in the corner room where a tripod's just not going to go. Yeah, your sauna, so, your sauna shot, for yeah. example, is a really good example where sauna you placed. Shot. Where you place your camera on the bench in the in that so in that little sauna, and I know how small that sauna is because I was yeah. literally in that room. Um, so that is a shot that's it, it's not impossible to get yeah. by other means, but it's definitely yeah. a lot harder and it will take a lot longer. And we can yeah. see you in the video just placing a camera, and within seconds the thing was done, and that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a I've I've been standing behind platypod for a long time and there's a good reason and I, they're not competing with tripods that's another great thing they don't want to or they're not trying to compete with tripods they have a unique product so unique and so good that people keep trying to copy it um there are lots of patents and things in the way but yeah it's a it's an incredible product that does its it does its own thing. It makes things possible that weren't possible before. And there's always a time and a place for a tripod. Um, but there's also a time and a place for a platypod. So yeah, yeah, I love to show the different things that I've learned about how to use it in the years that I've had them. And uh it's great to, as well to both be on the pro team to yeah, get early access to all the products and test things and give our feedback and you know, have a little bit of input into the way things are made and what photographers are looking for. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's it, the thing that really, you know, uh, that, that I find so extremely useful is the fact that it's a system. You know, you can, I mean, I can yeah. basically build just about anything. It's a bit like, um, what's that called? Do you remember Lego? Was it called Lego Technics or something like that? Uh-huh. Do you remember that thing where you can basically build anything out of like a bunch of, oh, Meccano, that's what it was. was Meccano, it? Yeah, was? No, yeah, same thing. Yeah, so um, you could build just about anything. That's that's kind of to me. That's that's what the platypod system is. It's like I need a particular thing to hold up another thing, or to place a microphone, or uh-huh. I mean, I use this stuff for everything. You know, um, I played a gig not too long ago uh, where I needed to I needed a mic riser for to to mic up my guitar amp basically, and I thought, well, you know, I can use a mic stand, but it's large and it's cumbersome and it just takes up way too much space. And what that means is that I have less space to move because these days I don't play particularly large stages anymore. You know? It's tiny. Yeah. So um so the thing was, okay, so how, you know, how can I get that mic in front of the amp without it dangling off the top, which is a very stupid way of doing things. So, you know, yeah. immediately it was like, okay, well I've got a platypod and a handle, you know, like put a mic on top of that. No problemo. You know, because everything everything is standardized. It's like all the threads are standardized, the size is standardized, it works with absolutely yeah. everything. You know, so um, I've used that to hold lights. In fact, uh, you can't see that um, on this camera angle, but you know, there's a light just above me, right here, or just behind and above me. Um, that's you know, it's a it's a Panel Pro, it's a, a gooseneck, and a, and a Platypod Ultra, and that's clamped yeah. to my shelf, and that's it's a perfect headlight because it reaches over, it can move it around, you know, it can angle it in any way you want, and it's you yeah. know, it works great. So really, it's super useful. Um, now, 
I want to talk about the process of creating those videos because yeah. making content like that is extremely useful, not only for a company like Platypod, of course, we understand why they're doing it because it helps, it helps the marketing of things. Um, but, it, but anybody who, you know, who maybe has a YouTube channel or is thinking about starting, you know, to create content, especially video content for, you know, any kind of social media platform, whether it's, you know, Instagram or YouTube um, or TikTok or let it be threads. If anybody's still, is anybody still doing threads? No, they tried so hard, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's massive for like a day or two and then it just went, uh, hmm. what's happening? Yeah. But you know, if you... I saw people that went all in on threads as well. Immediately, yeah. they were all in. It was constant posting and whatever. And now, silence. Yeah. <laughs> like, I only, I, I have just to just to explain how stupid I think it is. I have something like twenty thousand followers on Threads. Okay, cool. I've got I have about eight. <laughs> I posted, I posted one post. Just right. like, let's see how this goes or something. How have I got twenty thousand followers from one post? It's like it's it's just bizarre to me. It doesn't seem like there's any value to it. And obviously, they were trying to take on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call that thing. But I've also got off that one <laughs> quite a lot. <clears throat> um, yeah, the only, the only am, reason I use, you know, the only reason I short... use X or Twitter is is mainly because there's some people that I communicate with that are using that as their main platform, and those are basically the people I communicate with. Right, okay. and that's that's it. You know, yeah, I've even like, I'm, yeah, I, I had that reason, and I've now given up on that reason. Um, what I am doing more is a lot of um, TikTok, and I've got to the point now where I'm in. The, I'm a TikTok creator, and so TikTok are paying me, and that's cool <laughs> because I, I'm seeing growth and I'm seeing feedback and engagement and everything. It's directly converting to people going onto my website or people booking tours with me and things like that. But I'm getting actual hard cash money from TikTok themselves just for posting. I like that because we know that Instagram, Meta are making a metric ton of um, cash from all the algorithm-driven ads that we're being shown. But TikTok... Uh, sharing that cash with the people that are creating, the people that are building the platform, um, which is, I think, that's really cool. Yeah, but just you know, TikTok is TikTok is one of these things. <laughs> it's, it's one of these things where I can see how it's like it's super addictive, um, and you know, uh, I don't know. It's I at the moment I'm taking a little bit of a break from. Um, the likes of Instagram and and uh, and TikTok in terms of content creation, but that's just Ooh. because I'm so focusing a little bit more on YouTube. That's you know that's that's basically it. And um, you know, but let's talk about the the actual process of creating a video for let's say for YouTube, for example. So if we're talking about platform videos, um, what's your process? Like, what process do you go through in order to create a video for for YouTube with so with my own channel before when I was doing my vlogging it's very different to the way I'm doing it with Platypod so I my 
my own channel, I saw I was seeing some growth, not huge, um, with the vlogging style, but I noticed that because there was no, it, my episodes were too long. Sometimes, like they went down different paths. There was no clear structure, no clear story, because it's a vlog. Because you know anything could happen. Um, that was what was holding back the growth that there could have been if I'd focused more time and energy on it. Um, to give it that structure, to so people had an idea of what to expect from each episode, and so that there was a set time that wasn't too long. All this sort of stuff. So with Platypod. I've taken all those mistakes that I made. I'm, I'm not calling them mistakes, actually, because I had I never did my own channel to try and make a business of it. I just did it for fun to document my travel. Um, but yeah, with Platypod, I've taken the knowledge that I've got from that to really figure out, okay, so it, it needs to be five to ten minutes. There needs to be a clear structure. You need to be engaging from the very beginning, from the very first moment. No intros, just boom, straight into it. Um, to keep myself on track, I will make an outline and sometimes a script. Um, and there has to be, every episode, there has to be that golden piece of information that um, Larry Becker calls it the aha moment, where you go, oh, that's a really good information. I'll take that. And so putting together an episode is is like storyboarding and scripting. And you have to have clear objectives. You have to have more B-roll than you think you need. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the process is fun. And to be honest, it's not a difficult or long process. It just requires some creative thinking. Well, I think it's, it's not a difficult and long process because there's the pre-production, the planning. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. gone into it because otherwise it can very quickly become a very long, you know, and yeah. long winded process. That's that's always the thing. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's, I, have a, I mean, I have a similar experience in the sense that, um, you know, I spent quite a lot of time in pre production planning, planning everything out because then actually the production part, the shooting part, is is greatly yeah. diminished for, because of that. Yeah. As soon as, you, you know. as soon as you start talking and you know what you're going to say, it just flies by and it's done. <laughs> Yeah, and plus, you know, it's like just to organize, you know, the the whole sort of rundown of that video. You know, um, it's it's really it's vital to work with a script, for example. Funny. You know, and for me, you know, it's it starts like you mentioned. It starts with the original outline. I mean, it starts with the idea, yeah. and then often, you know, what I mean, it can work two ways. Basically, sometimes it starts with the idea, and um, I know how I'm going to do something, and then I can basically break it down into different almost like chapters in a book you know yeah. and I can I can break it down like that um, and then sometimes it's more of a thing like okay well, I, I'll do the shoot and I'll shoot the thing that I'm that I want to shoot um, and in putting the shoot together I then realize okay well this is a step that's a step that's a step and then these mm. steps then become the chapters and then and then that becomes the the script but I, I would have already done the shoot at that point yeah. You know, and, um, and so I would have already created the actual image that I'm going to talk about, for example. Um, oh. And then, you know, and then in writing the script and the thing is like, for me, um, I've gotten to the point where I really, I really like actually scripting um, 
the dialogue, yeah. mainly because my, the last step in the pre-production process for me is um, I go through the entire script and I'll then put together a secondary B-roll list. And uh, I can then, because then what happens is when it actually comes to shooting day, you know, I'll shoot the A-roll first. And then I'll, sh then I'll have a definitive list of all the B-roll bits that I need. And I literally okay. just have to do one thing, take that off, another thing, take it off, another thing, take it off. And then when it comes to editing, I'm very, very, very rarely in a situation where I'm putting stuff together and I'm thinking, oh, but I need another shot for this thing. Because that's, yeah, that's always a problem. If you don't think about the B-roll way in advance, um, you always end up in the editing chair and you go like, oh, wouldn't it be good if I had something? Because I'm talking about this one thing, wouldn't it be good if I had a B-roll shot that actually demonstrates what I'm just talking about at that point? You know, yeah. and, and so, and then you go back, you have to set something up again, you know, you have to reshoot that thing and it just, it just adds to the time before you know it, you spend days yeah. putting that together. Yeah. With the scripting, I find that if I'm, if I'm talking off the cuff, it's a, it's easy to do the start and the middle bit of the talking, but the finishing the talking, particularly finishing the episode, it really does help to have a script, because otherwise yeah. there's hesitation, and uncertainty and um, silent moments and things like that, and so, like the bit where you're going, here's what we just learned, you know, and like and subscribe and join us next week. That transition between those two is far easier with a script. It's more sort of confident and um, purposeful than if you're- and You can make sure that you're not forgetting thinking, a thinking, specific have thing. I said, if I said what I need to say, yeah. can I can I finish now? That sort of stuff, you know? Yeah, and as you get used to, um, you know, basically speaking from a script, you know, or let's say, let's say if you're, you know, if you're reading from a, a teleprompter, it takes a little while yeah. to get used to that, you know, yeah. and- um, and to kind of sound natural or as natural as you possibly can. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, I I use a teleprompter for a lot of things and I'll occasionally de deviate from exactly what's written on the teleprompter. Um, that being said, because it sort of, it recognizes your voice and it scrolls, you know, it's a voice activated well, scrolling mechanism, basically. You're going to have to yeah. come back in so that it actually realizes that it needs to scroll onto the next bit. So, you, you know, you can deviate, but you can't deviate too much. Um I'll tell you what, if anyone's wondering how we do it, we both use the same gear, and it's right here. That's the one, yeah? So, it's a glide gear. The camera sits at the back and looks through this little hole, and then on the front side, there's a piece of glass. You put your iPad here, so there's mm -hmm. an app that listens to your voice and scrolls as you talk, and you see in the glass, just like on you know, on the TV, on the news or whatever, when they're reading from an auto cue or a teleprompter, we're essentially just using one of them just to make our lives yep. easier. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, you can make sure that you're, you know, you're to the point, you're not waffling on. Um, and as you can probably tell, even with this podcast, you know, I freely admit, I write the intro and the outro, they're scripted. No. You know, so I can make, I know, right? No, I'm that good. <laughs> one take wonder. Nope. But, uh, well, but then, of course, everything, everything in between is 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 just waffle. You know, yeah. I call it waffle. It's just it's joke, off the cuff. Yeah. It's a conversation. Yeah, exactly. You can't really script that. 
Um, but uh, but when you know when you make videos that are that are short and concise, like you said, you know, five to ten minutes maximum, you're going to have to get a lot of information and potentially depending on what you're talking about with the subject matters there might be a lot of information that needs to be crammed into that relatively short space of time and yeah. you've got to show everything and you've got to create the end product you know and you've got all the information the like and subscribe and all that kind of the technical stuff that needs to go into it yeah. as well you know that uh, to cram all of that all of these different elements into five to you know five six seven eight ten minutes it's it it means that you you just can't have long gaps in your talking. You can't waffle. Cool. You have to be straight to the point. You have to be concise. You got to yeah. make sure that you it, don't leave have out. To feel like getting a lot of value in a short space of time. Exactly. Yeah. And really? so it's you know I find it for me it just you know, it means that I have to sit down beforehand during the pre-production process and I have to spend more time writing a script. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, I spend a couple of hours on a script or something. But what it actually does is it saves me tons and tons of time during the production process, as in when I'm recording it and I don't have to go over something again because I realized I forgot something. I don't have to yeah. you just sit there and think, like, oh, did I forget that? Or did I, did I mention it? Then you have to rewatch it. Yeah. You know, and all of that takes, it takes massive all amounts the, of time. Like on the pickup points and everything. If you say something wrong, you have to try and think about the edit and think, well, where can I cut this? Where should I start talking from again? Yeah. Uh, you sometimes forget things or say say things twice. Yeah, having it, a script means don't do that. Exactly, repetition is a big one because you know the minute mm. you start repeating yourself, you, you're just wasting time. You know, and that's sure. and it all as happened. It could make the difference between a video is four minutes long or something that's twelve minutes long. It's just you know. Yeah. And then of course the edit, um, the editing in in the end, the post production. You know, it's with the script. I literally edit to the script because I've got the script. I've got my B roll shot list. Um, I know exactly where everything's going to go. Um, you know, I like to put in little little fun bits, like little, um, you know, little, what do you call it? Memes. You, you stick in memes and short clips and things. Yeah, exactly. So, and I know I know where they're going to go because they're part yeah. of the script. And so there's no, you know, there's no, like, you don't sit there in the middle of the edit and think, oh, I wonder where I can put that in. It's not like that. It's like, well, this goes there, and then I'm saying this bit, and then this goes, and then there's this B-roll shot. And so the whole structure is there already, and it then means that it saves you massive amounts of time when you're when you're editing the whole thing. And that's you know, that's how you can then create that kind of content um, yeah. as efficiently as possible. You know, that's what, what do you what editing software do you use? Um, so I edit everything in Final Cut Pro. That's you know, I'm used to it. Um, I've used it for years and years. I've used it for uh, 12 years, I would say. Yeah. I used to use uh, Premiere Pro for a long time before that, probably for about 10 yeah. years before that. Um, but I switched to Final Cut uh, probably when I switched to Mac, actually. Yeah, so probably 12 years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, I, I mean, personally, I think each editing software whether it's Final Cut Pro, whether it's Premiere, uh, whether it's Fi yeah, whether it's Final Cut or Premiere Pro, whatever it may be, you know, they all have advantages and disadvantages, um, and of course, it depends on what it is that you're doing, um, and also how you like to work. That's yeah. it's just like editing, editing a photograph. It, you know, your methodology, the tools that you use, will basically be a result of or consequence of the method that you prefer, and that's a personality that's a personal thing 
Um, okay. You know, I know I know people who swear uh, by uh, using Premiere Pro, and I've yeah, I've used Premiere Pro for a long time. I liked it; it was perfectly fine. Um, at the time when I switched to Mac, Final Cut just worked a little bit more smoothly. And actually, I was just curious. Yeah, I just wanted to see what it was like, um, just to uh, just to see. And the way that they um, the way that Final Cut handles the timeline, although I know a lot of people complain about that or complained about it at the time but i Boy. saw an advantage in that for the way that i edit and yeah. so actually for me personally again that was an advantage to have this a floating timeline type of thing um and so that was to th the other elements that you know you can say like well premiere pro handles that better blah 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 whatever um but yeah uh, uh, premiere pro crashes too much <laughs> <laughs> and that's you know yeah and and to be honest with you I mean that was that was actually initially that was the reason why I looked around for other things you know at the yeah. time again like 12 years ago so um, I just thought okay what else is out there you know what is this Final Cut I think I actually I started Final Cut before it was called Final Cut Pro or before it was cut, called Final Cut Pro X or sorry whatever um, it looked very yeah. different back then um, but you know it's yeah, it's whatever floats your boat. Um, you know, I know people who run a YouTube channel and they uh, create videos week on week and week and they edit everything on their phone. Yeah. You know, or uh, or an iPad. I mean, if that's if that floats your boat, great. You know, whatever. Whatever helps you to Look realize what's in your head. Ben, what's his name? Benjamin. Benjamin something. Bold and bankrupt on YouTube. Sure. He's got millions and millions of followers. He travels around. The British guy who travels around speaks Russian. He got arrested at Baikonur. He was in the news for that. That guy. Um, it it's a Sony vlogging camera, like an action camera, edited on his phone, and he's got millions of followers, huge engagement, and virtually no effort in the edit. <laughs> I think that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, it depends on the, the type of content that you do. You know, if you're, like, for instance, if you're creating um, content for TikTok, do you have to edit everything in an editor like Final Cut? No, you definitely don't, you know. Yeah. It depends if no you reason. want the colors. And if you well, want the, I mean, it just, it really, the right, you know, it just... Uh, frame rate, megabits per second, um, bit rate, that's what I want. Um, and the right uh, size so it doesn't get compressed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Other than you that, know, and there's apps, you know, there's, there's apps that allow you to do things and put stuff together, you know, for for TikTok, and you can use templates and all the rest of it. That makes it, you know, like I spend, I spent a whole day the other day um, creating a vertical video for another purpose, um, yeah. where I was, I spent a whole day animating lots of different graphics in it. You know, you can you can use a template that does things that look amazing in a split yeah. second. You know, you don't necessarily have to do that, um, but you know, so. The different different horses for different courses. Um, the, for me personally, when I put a video like the videos that we create for Platypus together, um, I look at it more like a film edit. You know, as right. in like, you know, a, a, like a landscape traditional video yeah. stroke film edit. And so, to me, in my head, that just works works the best. And so, I get the result that I want to get more easily that way and then of course it comes you know the audio comes into it because um, that's, that's another thing it's not only 
you know, creating the visual content, but it's also creating the audio content because it might be music, there might be obviously just the voice, um, and then there might be, you know, Foley sounds, there might be special effects, all of that kind of stuff has to get mixed in and come out together and all the rest of it. And, um, cool. I, I, yeah, I just like but, doing all of that in Final Cut because the process is an easy one. But what do you use? Premiere. Cool. Um, I, I don't know. I'm I'm used to it. I guess I haven't really been using. I haven't really been properly editing video for a very long time. But I started with Premiere, and so that's the system I know and understand. And of course, I've noticed that there are uh, there are positive uh, reasons to use other programs like DaVinci Resolve or Final Cut, but at the moment, I'm I'm fine with Premiere, so there's no reason not to use it. Premiere is fantastic. Premiere actually has, you know, as always, um, Premiere will have certain advantages over Final Cut, and likewise, Final Cut will have certain advantages over Premiere. The one thing I love um, about uh, about Pro, uh, about Premiere Pro, yeah, is the fact that you can do text-based editing. You know, that's yeah. a real game changer. Um, that's a functionality that's not yet available in Final Cut. So, you know, if it was for that for that single thing, you could like, oh, okay, is it does it make sense to to switch to Premiere, for example, or to DaVinci? But the reality yeah. is, you know, there's like one feature isn't going to make you switch. You know, it has to be much more substantial. It's, it's, than the, same that. As, it's the same as the Canon, Nikon, Sony argument. Once you once you have a yeah. system, it's going to take a lot to change to another system. It's like you're in, you're investing in a system of cameras and lenses. It's the same thing. You're learning a system of editing. You're learning a method that goes with a particular software. To switch to another one takes takes a lot of effort. And of course, you invest into plugins, particularly, you know, and then these plugins yeah. may not necessarily work on a different system and so on and so forth. So it's, yeah, there's, there's stuff, a lot of, it's like camera bodies and lenses, you know. Yeah. It's once you're in a particular, um, yeah, once once you're down the Nikon road and you've invested money into Nikon glass and bodies, and it's it's not as easy, uh, you know, to switch because now you're going to have to replace not only the camera body, but it, you also have to replace all of your glass and all the rest of it. So that's kind yeah. of it's a similar thing. But but I think you know the reality is um, if you find an editor that's that works for you and the way that you think when you're getting into the the edit. Um, then, then that's you know, the good reasons to stick with that. I know a lot of people uh, switched to DaVinci, you know, um, over the last few years, and there's there are good reasons for that. Um, sure. But I think, I think, the, the difference between DaVinci and Premiere and Final Cut has, you know, that distance isn't as as large as it maybe was a couple of years ago. I think the field isn't quite as wide anymore. So another major reason why um, I decided to switch from uh, from Premiere originally to Final Cut. I mean, on one hand, of course, as I mentioned before, it was you know the, the way the timelines handled. But the other thing was really how much time it took in Premiere to ultimately render out the final file. It mm. and of course I'm talking I'm talking 10, 12 years ago. Well, at least twelve years ago. You know, on my machine, I remember editing a video that was maybe seven minutes long, and I remember setting that computer to render in the evening and by the morning 
that file would have just finished rendering. And that was, that seemed absolutely ridiculous, you know. And uh, then when I, you know, when I, when I started using Final Cut, I realized how fast Final Cut was rendering. It, it took minutes rather than hours, you know. And one of the yeah. reasons um, for that was because even back then, Final Cut would use some processing power to render things in the background. So whilst you're editing and you take your hands off the mouse for a few seconds, it would actually start rendering some bits in the background. And so the rendering was going on basically whilst you were doing the edit, rather than I think what Premiere Pro did at, at that time was like, okay, you do the whole edit, then you click render, then it starts the rendering process. So a lot of the a lot of the uh, effort that it took, you know, uh, the computer to render the thing out would have already taken place by the time you got to the end of your edit. And that was a real, a real, real, real advantage. Um, right. And if I think now, for instance, the situation I'm in now, where, you know, I'm creating content for, for YouTube, which I didn't do 12 years ago. Um, now, a lot of the time you're pressed for time. You know, you get oh. the thing ready, you need to it out because you've got to either send it off to a client or it needs to go up in time you know, onto YouTube channel or whatever else. And it's yeah, like, you're you don't. this video today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to have to get this done. Um, well, that's what I endeavor to do. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. But, um, but it'll be first thing tomorrow morning or, or, to, or at some point tonight. But yeah, yeah, so you can't wait. You just can't take four or six hours to render this thing out, you know. And these videos now, if you think about it, you know, we're talking about this podcast episode, you know, the, the audio version of that that's not going to take that much time. You know, it's going to take a couple of minutes and that's read it out and that's done. The video version will take considerably longer, but we're talking about a video that's going to be over an hour long, most likely, yeah. you know. Um, and so that will take a good, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes or something, 20 minutes to render out, maybe something like that, you know, and then it's done. So still not a lot of time in the grand scheme of things. So that was, well, you know, that was a real eye-opener at the time that sort of made me um, made me stick with Final Cut. There were some drawbacks, of course. You know, I back in the day, I really used to. I, I really liked the way that I could work with Premiere Pro and then seamlessly switch to After Effects and do something in After Effects and then come back to to uh, to Premiere. I really loved that. Um, of course, you you don't really have that uh, in Final Cut. Um, Apple do a thing called Apple Motion, which is has a similar functionality to After Effects. It's not by far not as extensive or as good. Okay. Um, but I'll be honest, I've used Apple Motion maybe once or twice. You know, mm. uh, Final Cut has more functionalities when it comes to plugins and stuff like that already built in. So not necessarily, you know. But anyway, so yeah, that's that's the way I approach it. It's, you know, if you've, there are many options out there. Uh, there are free options out there. There's a free, a really powerful free version of DaVinci um, out oh, there. Right. That's that is incredible. Um, you know, for anybody who wants to get into that kind of editing, you know, I highly recommend go over to DaVinci. You know, try it out. If you like it, fantastic. Um, you can probably do ninety percent of what you ever need to do with the free version. And if you got to the point, if you got to the point where you really need that extra functionality, then probably I would say paying for it is probably worth it at that point. Yeah. You know? Likewise, if you are an Adobe subscriber already and you already subscribe to the Creative Cloud, then you might as well use Premiere Pro because it's already there. 
I mean, yeah. no extra cost. <laughs> you know, there are tons and tons and tons of videos on YouTube that will teach you how to do any and every aspect of any of those editors. You know, super easy. So let's talk about this creative conception of, um, of, of putting these videos together for YouTube, mm -hmm. for YouTube, or, you know, for, in our case for Platypod, for example, um, or if you use, you know, if you're running your own YouTube channel, you're thinking of setting up your own YouTube channel. How do you come up with ideas for your videos? Oh, that's easy. You should look at what people are creating and see what they're interested in and then see if I know a way that can help them. So I'll, uh, yeah, I, I, I created the Platypod users group on uh, Facebook and that's a great source of inspiration. Um, there are some very clear and obvious trends, like lots of people are shooting waterfalls along exposures and things like that. Lots of people are shooting macro um, and things like toys, flowers, um, and just looking around and seeing the way that people are using platypods um, and, and brainstorming around those ideas to see Firstly, do I know already of a way that would help other people to implement these ideas better? Or secondly, can I find a way that I can share um, to help people get the most out of their gear? And like I said before, it's not just about how to use your platypod. It's more about how to how to be a photographer. Um, it's not uh, the, the, the whole channel is not a sales pitch. Obviously, it's platypod. But it's not a sales pitch. It's it's education and inspiration, and so yeah, it's like it's essentially trying to find something that looks good or a technique that's easily achievable or adaptable that everyone can learn from and can take inspiration from. Um, yeah, it's 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 fun doing the research. And trying to figure out what people want to what people want to see and what people are shooting, to try and help. Um, if if there's a way I can help, I'll I'll do that. It's always a great way of, like I said earlier, it's, it's a great way of actually expanding your own knowledge. Yeah. As well, at the same time. Yeah, hundred percent. Personal projects are absolute winners in photography. Um, there's always going to be something if you if you're a, in one genre of photography and you skip over to a different for a personal project there's always going to be something you can learn that you can take back into your genre um, it's going to benefit you and enhance your photography and so like if you're a landscape photographer go and shoot some portraits there's going to be something that you learn from it even if you just learn that you don't like it, <laughs> there's going to be something that you can learn from it that you can translate into your own field um, that, that's going to benefit you. But it also gives you some sort of insights and understanding. Personal projects are absolute winners every time. Yeah, it's huge. It really makes you a, b a better photographer all around. And even yeah. if you're specializing in a particular field, um, you know, just taking that step outside mm -hmm. uh, can do wonders. Um, there's sort of a feedback that happens, you know, where all of a sudden you look at things in a different way. That might be just because maybe, you know, maybe you're an available light photographer and now you're just pushing yourself to use artificial light. 
Um, yes. But it will mean that even in the future, you look at light differently, you know, Yeah. Uh, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's, it's got massive, um, massive advantages. There's an episode a few weeks ago that I did um, where I talked about motivation and what happens when, you know, we, f we feel our own motivation dwindle away and how can you motivate yourself to get, to get back in the ring, you know, and to, to get back into it and back at it basically. Um, cool. and you know, using personal projects for that reason is brilliant because it just forces you to do something different and it almost like, you know, it just reprograms your brain cells to think slightly differently about something that you may have been doing for years. Yeah. 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 It's, um, some people think it's hard to get out of a hole. You can, you can get stuck in a creative hole and feel like there's no inspiration there. It's, it's easy to get out of it. If you, if you just give yourself a little kick and, and a personal project is, is enough of a kick to motivate you to get back into the swing of things. Yeah. It doesn't have to be anything huge or big or anything that you necessarily have to put in the public domain or, you know, you don't necessarily have to post about it on Instagram. It doesn't have to be something that's there for everyone yeah. to see. It can just be something that's really just personal, you know, something that you just yeah. do for your own enjoyment. Yeah. And obviously when it comes to the bigger names in photography, because it's not a portfolio worthy shot, you're not going to see it. You're not, you know, when they do a personal pro or when the likes of the big names in photography are doing personal projects, you aren't going to see it, but they're doing it. Trust me, they're doing it. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a concept that you should take on board and people should be doing personal projects. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be in the same field, um, you know, of what you're used to already, or it can be in a completely different field. So, I mean, it could be like, let's say for instance, let's say you're a headshot photographer and you shoot with strobes. And you just want to basically see if you can, you know, how you can utilize constant light, for example, you know, it's yeah. a completely different thing. Now you don't use that for the first time when the next client is in your studio, but you wouldn't do that obviously, cause that could be disastrous. You know, you don't, you don't have to do that. You can do that with like a, a fake head if you wanted to, right? It's well, easy. It just gives you something to work on, something to, you know, improve your skill set on something to increase your knowledge based on and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. you know, but it, it could also be something completely different. Like again, if you're a headshot photographer, why not try wildlife photography or macro photography yeah, or, or, or car photography or whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah. There's always something There's going to be there. translatable skills that you can take back to improve your, your own photography. Yeah. That's why I found the, uh, the pandemic quite useful in that respect, because uh, certainly for myself, it, it really did force me to do things, uh, differently, obviously, because I couldn't do. The, the things that I was doing before. Um, but it also got me to do different things, yeah. you know, as in like when, you know, when we were locked down, for instance, over here, you know, I, I had to shoot some products because, you know, I had, uh, I had companies that approached me to shoot their products. It was a thing that I could actually do during the pandemic. Um, and I did. And so I had to work out how to, I remember how to, how to shoot, um, white shampoo bars on a white background, like. How the hell is that ever going to, that was a challenge, you know, it was a challenge, but it was yeah. fun, you know, yeah. not really sure the results were any good, but you know, I did it anyway. What could you say? Sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and of course then, you know, new ideas come out of 
um, out of situations like that. This podcast, as we've discussed many times on the show, you know, this podcast being a direct result of that. Um, well, and, you know, and I think for yourself, the whole idea of traveling in a van, um, that came about round about the same time, right? Yeah. Not because of that, but yeah. Um, that happened because I needed, I was finding myself and I wanted to go on a big adventure to help figure everything out. That That's a whole big story, but yeah, it was, it was essentially a personal project, but it was one for improving my life rather than improving my photography. <laughs> and I'm sure it's had, it's had both of those effects though. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Um, it got me to places where I could shoot more, but it, more importantly, it gave me thinking time. But also it gave you the opportunity, of course, to start a YouTube channel. And then as a result of that, you had to get into learning how to edit video. And then yeah. you had to do that quite extensively. And so you gained a new skill set. So actually all yeah. around, you could say that even that, you know, basically meant that you managed to improve yourself when it comes to yeah. creating content in general. Yeah, the 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 edit the video editing was under time constraints. And it was kind of high pressure, I guess, because I I was putting out an episode every week on a Sunday evening. And so, yeah, it it, it taught me to edit, but it also taught me to edit fast. Um high pressure. So, yeah, it taught me some new things. It taught it, it taught me quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as I say, that wasn't the primary goal. It's a happy consequence, <laughs> but it wasn't yeah. the primary goal. Yeah, but you know, these are parts of, those are the parts that I quite like. I like the time pressure in a sense, because um, it just forces you to to actually go and create, you know. Um, that's why I'm usually quite strict with myself in, in putting an episode out every Thursday. And I know this won't be a Thursday, but you know, um, but, uh, because it basically just forces me to get, basically to get my ass into gear and to, yep. to get this stuff going, um, and to okay. get it done, you know, by a particular point in time, because it's so easy to just stagnate and then just go, oh yeah, it's a really good idea. You know, as, as it always is when you have an idea, you go like, oh yeah, this is awesome. Right. Gotta do this. Yep. It's wicked. It's the best idea I've ever had. And you've got all the energy and all the drive. And then a week down the road is like, uh, yeah, well. And then yeah. it never actually happens, you know, that's always well, the thing. Yeah. And it's important to stick to your goals, set the goals and stick to them, but also to make them achievable. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's, that's, it's a perfect segue, a perfect segue to basically say, you know, if, if you feel stuck in a rut, you know, listening to this or, you know, watching this on, on YouTube and you think like, well, I've, you know, I've, I'm looking for something different to do, you know, if you've been doing the same thing, maybe it's portrait photography, maybe it's wedding photography, maybe it's commercial product photography, whatever it might be. And you think like, I really need to do something that's different, you know, and you're looking for a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, make sure you check out idafewilliams.com forward slash training um, and check out our Lofoten Viking workshop. Uh, that will allow you to really to, to do something that that is very, it's going to be very different from anything and everything that you've ever done before. You know, photographing the Northern Lights um, is very, very special. You know, working with authentic 
um, Viking models in those environments, it's going to be different from any model shoot you've ever done. I guarantee you that. Um, and you know, and photographing those landscapes, the Arctic landscapes of the Lofoten Islands is is something that you just don't get to do very often, I guess, in your life. So all of these things make this workshop a very, very special, very, very unique experience that will allow you to, you know, improve your skill set. You know, it'll allow you to do something that's really a once in a lifetime opportunity and it will allow you, you to create images that you just wouldn't have been able to create in any other way. So head over to yeah. iWilliams.com. Uh, I, I can't head over to... <laughs> Head over to idfwilliams.com forward slash training um, or check out all the links in the description um, of this podcast episode and uh, and yeah, and take this opportunity. And as we mentioned before, it's a great time to do this because there's a, an amazing opportunity of getting a yeah. full year's free subscription of yeah. Adobe's Creative Crowd. Um, and if not. you want to see Northern Lights this winter, they are going to be huge we're seeing the effects of solar maximum already and so like tonight there's going to be enormous northern lights unfortunately i've got some clouds but i think i'm going to be able to escape them so there should be some big northern lights content coming soon as well but yeah solar maximum means you're going to see the best northern lights that have happened for roughly 28 years because the last solar maximum was a bit of a flop and it's an 11 year cycle so stack two and a half of those together that's 28 years so that's one other thing. But then we've got the reindeer, we've got fantastic company, we've got the history of the culture of Lofoten, beautiful red cabins, the dramatic landscapes, the seascapes, the Viking. It, it's a no-brainer. This is the best workshop. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and again, this is, like you mentioned, this is the best time. You know, I've been, yeah. um, you know, obviously I've been looking at the images that you've put up um, on social media over the last, you know, few weeks and, you know, remembering how mind-blowing the, um, the Northern Lights were when I was there at the end of September, yeah. and then you know seeing what's been going on since then is just it yeah. is literally mind altering, um, yeah. let alone mind blowing. So this is a perfect time. Um, anyway, Dave, it's been as always, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And um, I don't I, even know, I, I think I've lost count as to how many times you've been on the show. More than Tommy Reynolds, <laughs> <laughs> which clearly is the main the main thing. Okay, folks, that's all for today. It's been fantastic catching up with Dave again, but before we go, let me just recommend another episode that I think you'll like. Check out episode 172, where we discuss the Viking workshop in greater detail, or if you're a gear nut and you're wondering what kind of gear we used in the Lofoten Islands, check out episode 173. I'm sure you'll love it. If you enjoy our content, consider supporting us on buymeacoffee.com forward slash camera shake to help us continue creating and bringing you more exciting episodes. It really does mean the world to us. And for those of you who are listening to the audio version of this podcast, did you know that there's a fully fledged video version over on YouTube with plenty of examples of our guest photography in full Technicolor? All you have to do is go over to YouTube, search for Camera Shake Podcast, and you'll be able to watch all past episodes on there. And if you are on YouTube already, well, get in touch and leave a comment. And remember to hit the like button, ring that bell, and share with your friends. You can help us reach a greater audience all over the world. Once again, thank you for listening and watching, and I'll see you again next Thursday. And it, it will definitely be Thursday. See you next week.